to be from 1 Peter 1, 3 through 12. And if you're reading from a Bible in the back, it'll be on page 1014. And while you're flipping over there, Natalie, can you stand up? All right, guys, what color is her dress? (laughs) All right, I'm just kidding. Okay. (laughs) All right, I'm going to read now. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you by God's power, and being guarded through faith and salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through the tested, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation... The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things they have now been announced to you through those... (laughs) Sorry... (laughs) Um, to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which angels long to look. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Christy. So we are continuing in our, uh, in our series that we started last week uh, called Living a Better Story, where we're working our way through the book of First Peter. Thank you, for Christy, for reading our scripture this morning. And uh, I look, before I dive in while you're flipping over there, while well, you're already flipped over there, uh, but uh, before I get into it, l- let me just say a little bit more about what Elsie said about our, our kids ministry. And, and uh, we are expanding, you know, we, we've, we, right now we currently have two uh, classrooms, two kids classes uh, back there that go on during our services. One is kind of nursery, uh, you know, birth through age, I don't know, three or so. And then, and then uh, preschool uh, through basically fourth grade is the second class. And I don't know if you've ever tried to corral uh, kids preschool through fourth grade, but they're on a lot of different levels there. And, and, uh, and so, uh, we're, we're, we, you know, it's our desire and everything that we do here at our church is our desire to do, uh, you know, we, we've kind of got a mantra amongst our leadership that we're not striving for perfection, but we're always striving for excellence. We're always striving for, we always want to do, we always looking for ways to do ministry in a more excellent way than what we've been doing it before. And, uh, and this is a, this is a, a, a next step for our church that is absolutely critical critical in the growth of our church uh, for us to uh, take those two classrooms, divide them into four classrooms so we can, uh, you know, do ministry to um, more specific age groups in a better way than what we've been able to do right now. And, uh, and, I, and I'm just going to be honest with you, you know, for, if you're new here, uh, this is a little, uh, you know, uh, you know, daddy talking to the kids for just a second. Okay. So, so um, let me be honest with you and just say that, um, um, we currently sometimes not, I mean, the people who serve back there are, are wonderful, but we often struggle to 
uh, you know, keep those slots filled and, and keep, you know, volunteers in, in the mix and that sort of thing. And now, you know, splitting that now from two classes to four classes, what's that look like for us? And, you know, we, we've been in deep prayer about that. And, 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 and I'm just going to be very honest with you and just say this. There is zero, zero reason for a church our size not to be able to handle four classes back there. Zero reason. None other than lack of commitment. That's it. And I don't mean to sound harsh or anything like that, but this is, I, I'm, I'm speaking from my heart here and just saying that your church needs you. If you have any uh, desire to see uh, kids discipled and growing up in Christ, you know, we do these baby dedications sometimes and we commit as a church to do everything we can to make sure those kids are, are raised up uh, to know God and that sort of thing. And that's all of our responsibility. If you have, now, if you hate kids, we don't want you back there, right? Like, seriously, do not volunteer. If you, like, hate kids, like, every time you see a kid, you want to punch them in the face or trip them, just don't go back there, all right? But if you, if you, if you have any, any kind of heart and love for kids, then, then, uh, then, then we could really sincerely use your help because it is critical for our church to move forward. This is one of those, there are certain issues in church life as churches are growing, that will cause a church to plateau and stop growing. And this is one of those issues, kids' ministry in particular, that if we can't expand our kids' ministry, there will be a ceiling to our growth as a church. And so would you just do this? Again, I'm, uh, you know, call it high pressure, call it whatever you want. Just simply do me a favor and pray about it. Just pray about it, uh, but pray quickly because we need your help pretty quick, okay? <laughs> and so, so pray about it, ask God, you know, and, 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 and here's the thing, the, the, the beautiful thing, you may have seen our newsletter this week, kind of uh, this, this little uh, campaign we were talking about called, uh, uh, you know, Serve One, Attend One. And that's the beautiful thing about our church is that we do have two worship services every week. And so it's so easy for you. You know, back in the day when we had one worship service, if you were volunteering in kids' church, then you just didn't get fed that week, right? You were feeding somebody else, and so you didn't get fed. That's not the case anymore. You, you, can, you can come to first service, volunteer in second service, or vice versa, and, uh, and still, uh, you know, get your own spiritual needs met as well. And so, uh, again, just throw that out there. Pray about that. Please uh, help us, and, 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 uh, and then we'll continue to grow as a church. Amen? Amen. All right. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox and get on my other soapbox. Okay. <clears throat> so, First Peter. Um, now, this is, uh, I titled the sermon today, um, A New Hope. Um, anybody else know uh, something else titled A New Hope? What? Star Wars. You're right. You're right. The very first Star Wars, 1977, old school first Star Wars, not episode one, you know, jacked up Star Wars. We're talking episode four, 1977, Star Wars, A New Hope, and uh, the legit Star Wars, okay? Not the Jar Jar Binks ruining Star Wars. We're talking not the, you know, anyway, we're just get into Star Wars, right, okay? And, and, uh, and that episode was called, you know, when the, when the, da, 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 and the, the, the words scroll forward, the first thing you see is episode four, uh, A New Hope, and that's the, that was the title of that particular uh, uh, Star Wars, and and the reason was that that was the title was because in this Star Wars universe there was you know basically evil had taken over the universe and was in control, and and the good guys were on the run and hardly anywhere to be found, and and uh, until the discovery of this young whiny little boy named Luke Skywalker, uh, who uh, who had the good side of the Force somehow in him, and he was going to bring balance to the force. And anyway, it's all new agey and, and horrible. And anyway, that, that's the thing. So, uh, but, but what we're going to be talking about is a different kind of new hope this morning. 
a different kind of new hope. And, and, and I don't know if you realize this, and a lot of times it, it, we can get kind of stuck in our Christian bubble and lose sight of the fact that, that there are so many people all around us that are living life without hope. Without hope. That, I mean, that, that they are in desperate need of a thing called hope. Um, that I encounter people on a, on a excuse me, somewhat regular basis uh, that are feeling hopeless to the point of despair. <laughs> that's funny. I, that's not funny that people are hopeless to the point of despair. I don't know why I just laughed there. Um, um, no, I, I laugh because of this. I met with uh, um, our missionaries that we support in Papua New Guinea. Uh, the Klausane family, uh, Elizabeth and a couple of their boys are, are home uh, taking care of some family business. And, and we got a chance to go to, they were in Roseville and we got a chance to see them. And their little boys are so funny, uh, you know, in, in that um, they just use, you know, they use words that normal children uh, don't use. And, and, you know, just, you know, have you ever been around like kids that are just speaking like adults when they, you know, they just shouldn't be speaking like adults. And, and, uh, and so anyway, they, they were, they were making these bracelets and the younger one was like, "Yeah, I couldn't make it," and, and I was, I was about to despair, and and uh, and I just, <laughs> it just cracked me up. I was like, "Well, well, don't despair. Certainly, don't despair." And uh, and so, but the, I, you know, I do run across people on a fairly regular basis that are literally at that point of of despair. I mean, to the point, honestly, of you know having you know questions about you know their own life and existence, and should they carry on, and and should they end their lives, and things like that, and. And, uh, and when, you, when you encounter people that are at that point to where a, a legitimate option for them is ending their life, there's that much hopelessness in their life, um, the, the thing that breaks my heart about that is what we're going to read here in just a second is that there's hope there that they just haven't tapped into yet. There's hope there, and, and we are the... We, we, we possess that hope as followers of Jesus Christ. We possess that hope within us. And this is why it's such a big deal that we not keep our faith to ourselves. because that there are people out there literally dying without the hope that we have inside of us. And shame on us if we keep it to ourselves. Shame on us if we keep it to ourselves. And so uh, another little um, uh, sci-fi uh, reference here this morning. You guys know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Star Trek fan. And, and uh, there's this, this little thing in the Star Trek uh, uh, universe where, yes, there you go. And, um, and so there's this little thing in the Star Trek universe uh, where Captain Kirk uh, is, 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 kind of has this history, of, or he's, he's known, he's the only student to ever go through Starfleet Academy. I know I'm nerding out on you right now, bear with me. But he's the only student to ever go through Starfleet Academy to pass this test that they call the Kobayashi Maru. And the Kobayashi Maru, the reason nobody ever passed it before him is that it's an unpassable test. It's a no-win situation test, and they want to see how a captain will react in a no-win situation. And so Kirk had, you know, Captain Kirk uh, had, had, had not passed this test and had not passed this test, got sick of failing this test, and finally he found a way to beat it and a way to win, and, and basically he cheated. He went into the computer and changed the program so he could actually win the test, and, and, and that's the Kobayashi Maru. And, and we find ourselves in, in, uh, in situations like that a lot of times in our life where, we, where we're looking at the options ahead of us and we feel like there's no win. There's a, it, we have a no-win situation. Like every choice I make is not the choice I want to make. It doesn't pr- provide the result that I want for my life. And so that's when we get those hopeless feelings. Excuse me. That's when, when you get in those situations where you start to despair your own life, you start to regret your, your own existence, 
because you feel like all the options laid out before you, it's a no-win situation. I don't want to choose any of these options, so I'm just going to opt out. I'm just going to opt out. And we, we have this hope. We have this hope that that Scripture teaches us about that we're going to read about this morning. It's, it, it's, and this, by the way, this passage that we're going to read this morning, it's, it's where we get the name of our church. You're going to, you're going to see the, the phrase, well, you already said it, saw it up there earlier, the living hope. It's where we get our name. I had a little bit, just a, 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 a you know, this is a very small sort of hopeless feeling last night. We took the family to the Chinese New Year Parade in San Francisco last night. I had a great time. And, uh, and so I had done some research ahead of time looking, because, you know, it's crowded down there this time, you know, for the parade. And, like, where are we going to park? And so I found this garage. Uh, I'm going to hook you up if you want to see me after service. There's this garage. Whenever you go to Chinatown, it's several blocks away from Chinatown. But if you park there and if you buy anything for like three bucks in Chinatown and get your ticket stamped, then you get to park there for three bucks. Awesome, right? I mean, there's no $3 parking in San Francisco. And so anyway, I'll tell you about it all about it later. See me after service. And, and so uh, anyway, so I, I, mean, I was so proud of myself for finding this garage and just having this grand plan. Oh, and the other thing is that since it's a little ways from Chinatown, they actually shuttle you back and forth for free too. Awesome. Okay. Anyway, so super proud of myself. You know, did all this research, found this great garage, low, low price and everything else. And so uh, we go eat at our, our favorite Chinatown restaurant, which is uh, Hong Kong Clay Pot. I'll hook you up with that one, too, give you the address. It's a great restaurant. And, uh, and Hong Kong Clay Pot is a great restaurant. So anyway, we go eat there and just had this. I mean, the thing that's so great about Hong Kong Clay Pot is that they make vegetables taste good. Like, the, like they have, the, the, it's like, it's like super, it's like magic. I don't know what they do, but vegetables taste great there. And, and so, so we, we just had this delicious meal, had a really great time. I, I go to pull out my ticket so they can validate my ticket and I'm digging in my pockets and I have lost my parking ticket. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I said. And, and so, so I'm, I lost my parking ticket and I'm looking under the table and you know, somewhere along the route, you know, I had pulled out my phone or something and my ticket came out with it and lost it. Right. And so anyway, I was feeling very hopeless. I was feeling like, oh my goodness, it's just a, isn't, it, isn't it the worst feeling in the world when you've planned something a certain way and then it just, like it, your plan completely falls apart. And that's a very small, minor example. And sometimes the, those hopeless, that, those, those like, oh boy feelings, you know, they'll rise up within us in, in bigger things in life like careers, relationships, um, you know, you know, any number of things that, you know, mistakes that we've made, uh, you know, where, where we kind of bring, uh, you know, kind of bad situations to our own life through our own mistakes, whatever. And, and, and when you get that hopeless feeling, it is, it is horrible. It's horrible. And I, what I want to talk about this morning is there's a reason when you tend, if you, if you're a person that tends to get that little, that sinking sense of hopelessness. There's a reason you have a tendency toward that, and there's also a cure for it. There's also a cure for it, and that's what I, we're going to look about. So, so Christy already read our, our scripture uh, this morning in First Peter, but I'm going to go back and, and just kind of re-highlight just a couple of those verses. And it, it started, starting there in, um, oh, verse 3, where uh, Paul says, I'm sorry, it's First Peter. Peter says, um, you just kind of start reading the New Testament and assume Paul wrote it all, but he didn't. Um, and so um, it says that he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, 
who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. By the way, Revelation song, uh, Audrey, stinking knocked that song out of the park. That was awesome. Thank you for that. That was, that was great. Oh, amazing. Um, so so here's, here's the thing about this living hope that Peter t- teaches us about. He's like, and, and by the way, the group of people that he's writing to are people who he is assuming are hopeless. We, we've already established last week that these are people who were kind of exiles where they were living, people on the fringe of society, people who, you know, even apart from their own spiritual sense of who they were, just felt hopelessness in just their, their, their general living situation and where they were in society and that sort of thing. And, and Peter is reminding them that we have been born again, those of us who are following Jesus Christ, born again to this living hope. And I love his phrase that he, he says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I don't know if any of you have ever uh, uh, experienced receiving an inheritance or, or experienced the, the news that you will someday receive an inheritance. Um, if you've never been through that, can I, I'll just tell you that when you get that kind of news, um, it is a blast of hope. I mean, it's just a shot of hope in your life, and it's it, it's 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 something you know. Uh, we, we we experienced a little bit a little bit of that in our own family uh, of just news to, of a, a coming a coming inheritance someday that sort of thing. And 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 when you have you, you know when you had a, not a lot of prospects in your future, and suddenly there are prospects, it's like uh, you can breathe again. You can breathe again, and 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 there's a, and there's a serious, uh, a sense of gratitude and thankfulness, and and everything that kind of washes over you with that news. It's just it's just such great great news, and and Peter says, but here's here's the thing about inheritances that we might receive, you know, whether they're financial or real estate or whatever they they might be that we might receive in you know in our lives, uh, you know, today. The thing about that is sometimes things go wrong, sometimes things get caught up in court. Sometimes the inheritance you are expecting ends up being much less than what you know. Sometimes your inheritance gets squand, you know, squandered on other things, and it doesn't end up panning out the way that you thought it would. And Peter says, for those of us that have been born again to this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've got an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. It is locked in. It is secured for us. And that inheritance... Basically, what Peter is reminding us is that not only, you know, for those of us who have been born again in Christ, those of us who have experienced that new birth that Jesus talks about in John 3.16, not only have we been saved, like, from our sin and from the consequences of our sin, but, but what the Bible also teaches is that there's a second salvation coming. It's the ultimate salvation. It's the ultimate time when we will be saved from this wicked and fallen world when Jesus sets all things right and we receive that inheritance. When we receive that inheritance. He's like, not only do you have hope because of what Jesus has done in your life right now, but don't lose sight of the fact that you have an inheritance coming that will make everything you've experienced in this life just pale in comparison to what's getting ready to come to you. You have hope in what's getting ready to happen for you. And he, outlet, he kind of, you know, briefly in his own words, kind of outlines how we got that hope. And it's basically through Jesus. It's through Jesus, through Jesus 
You know, God stepping down out of heaven and putting on flesh, sacrificing himself to pay for our sin, rising from the dead, uh, working on our inheritance and will someday reveal himself in that ultimate revelation when, when, we, when all things are set right again. We have, you know, it's all through Jesus. It's all, Jesus made everything about us. About us. He came so that we could be saved. So that we could be saved. And when we lose sight of that, we step into dangerous ground. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But I want to read this, this, this second part that he, uh, he talks about here. Uh, skip on down to verse 6. He says, In this you rejoice. In this you rejoice. You've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In this you rejoice. You're going through trials. Now, now that may seem like an oxymoron. Like, why are we rejoicing because of trials? We don't normally rejoice because of tough situations in our life. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we are actually called to, um, one, not be surprised by suffering. In fact, suffering is promised to us as Christians. Promise. Did you, did you guys realize that when you signed up to be Christians, you signed on, you know, the, the fine print and said, by the way, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be suffering. It's promised to you. Don't be surprised. Peter says it in a different place where he, write, he writes, don't be surprised when you experience trials. It's like, gee, they killed Jesus. What do you think they're going to do to you? Right? There's going to be suffering in this life. There's going to be suffering in, in the process of following Jesus. But he says, in, in that knowledge, we rejoice in that. We re- and why is it that we rejoice in that? And, and he, he, he lays it out. He says so that uh, we can, uh, we, it'll be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what he's painting a picture of is, is, is a people who have learned that, or, or actually kind of had a transformation take place in their mind and, and, and realigned their thinking and made a decision that I'm not going to make my life about me. I'm not going to make my life about me. My life's going to be about Christ. Everything that happens to me in my life is going to be about bringing him praise and glory and honor. You know, when we take vows, when you get married, you take vows and, and, and you know, you say that, you know, for better or for worse and for richer or for poor and sickness and in health. And in other words, I'm going to be with you, committed to you the rest of my life, whether things are good or whether things are bad. Whether things are good or whether things are bad. And it, we, when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we kind of take similar vows where we basically say to him, no matter what, no matter if, if my life turns out the way I thought it was going to turn out, no matter if things, you just shower me with blessings and I got a smile on my face all the time, no matter if that doesn't happen at all, nothing goes according to plan, and all you did for me was save my soul no matter what, I'm going to praise you. I'm in this thing with you forever. I'm going to keep praising you. And and you've heard me say this before, and it's so true. There's something, in fact, there are a few things more beautiful than watching a follower of Jesus Christ praise God sincerely through some of the roughest points of their life. It is beautiful. Beautiful to witness that. 
When somebody gets a diagnosis that they weren't expecting and they just simply offer praise to God, it's beautiful. When somebody finds a relationship, that, a meaningful relationship that begins to crumble around them and, and their life plan begins to change and they still find some way to make it about God and not them and offer praise to God and glorify Him through whatever situation they find themselves in, there's nothing more beautiful than that. And if you're one of those people I referred to earlier where, where you find yourself kind of on the brink of despair often, can I just say this? I, I, I think that there's a strong possibility the reason you find yourself there often is because you have made your life about you and not about Jesus. And when we make our lives about ourselves, then when things don't go according to plan, we, I've, I've got a, a four-year-old named Meadow. Meadow is awesome. Meadow is straight up awesome. Um, um, but, but she, she, you know, she's in that three, four year range where, where they, you know, a lot of times often just, they whine. Oh my goodness. They whine so much. And, and it is, it is exhaust. It is literally exhaust. Like we, Jamie and I were in the car last night and we we're on our way to San Francisco and Meadow is just driving us absolutely crazy. And she is whining about every little thing. And I just looked at Jamie and like, she is relentless, <laughs> like just, just exhausting and relentless. And she, Jamie's like, I know. And it's just, you know, and, and, and again, she is such a great girl. But, but, and so, you know, we, so Meadow knows though, man, when she kicks into whining mode and I'll tell her, I'm not going to listen to you while you whine. You got to stop that whining. I'll you know, I'll, I'll say, go sit in your room for a little bit. I'm like, I'm not, can't listen to whining. You know, if you want to come talk to me and ask me a question, that's fine. But don't whine about every little thing. And so th- th- this is the thing. I think a lot of times when we make our lives about, even though we're grown ups, right? I mean, you know, I'm not trying to say you're, you know, a child, but let's be honest. We all have some childlike tendencies from time to time. And when we make our lives strictly about us, then we tend to be whiners. Because when things don't go according to our plans, and we don't get our way, I mean, it's really easy to pinpoint that stuff in a four-year-old, right? It's much harder to see it in yourself. Much harder to see it in yourself. I, 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 I often laugh inside, because I don't want to make you guys feel bad. Uh, but I often laugh like, like in situations when I'm counseling and, and uh, uh, you know, marriage counseling and things like that. And somebody will say, oh, you just don't understand. You know, she does this and she does that. And she, you know, she's all, all the time on me about this. And uh, yeah, anyway, it's all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm like I just, yeah, me too. That happens in my marriage too. Welcome to marriage. Welcome to life. That's just the way things are. It's just amplified in your head because you're so selfish right now, right? And, 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 and that's, that's the way, I mean, that, some of this stuff that we just get so out of perspective and so focused in on because we're all about living for ourselves and not about living for Jesus. It's just life. Everybody's got that same. I tell people in marriage counseling all the time, you guys have not told me anything in here that is not common with every other marriage I know of. This is just, it's just life. And yet when we, when we begin to break that focus off, you know, for away from us and start focus, focusing on God and focusing on others, that is transformational in our lives. Transformational. And this is the kind of the, the big point that I want us to get out of. To go ahead and put that up, today's message. And it's this. That, kind of your mantra for rediscovering hope if you've been hopeless is this. 
Jesus gave all for me, so I'm going to make it all about him. Jesus gave all for me to secure a hope for me that I've probably been ignoring, actually. So I'm going to do my best to make it all about him. So guess what? When I don't get that promotion at work that I thought I deserved and I'd worked so hard for and I got stabbed in the back and somebody took it or you know whatever else, glory be to God because one of the prophets in the Old Testament tells us that God is the God of our promotions. God is the God of our promotions. His timing is perfect. It could be that if you would have got that promotion at that time, it would have been disastrous for you. And God is actually protecting you in that move. Why? And so how, do you, how, how are you able to see that way instead of being disappointed and selfish and everything else? It, you, put, you, set, you fix your eyes on Christ and in every situation, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. So when I'm struggling in my marriage and it seems like every marriage around me is happy and blissful and I'm just miserable, to God be the glory. Why? Because this marriage is not about me anyway. It's about God. You guys have heard me say before, the purpose of marriage is not your happiness. The purpose of marriage is for you to show the world around you the relationship that exists between God and man. That's the purpose of marriage. So... When your kids are driving you crazy and they're like five years old and you're counting down the days till they graduate, <laughs> to God be the glory. To God be the glory. He gave you those beautiful kids for a reason. He gave them those personalities for a reason too, by the way. He did. It's your job to help them redeem that nature, that that whatever you know it is about them to help them kind of redeem that in christ you make it about jesus you make it not about yourself i'm sorry your kids keep interrupting your tv show (laughs) get over yourself get over yourself it's not about you it's not about you you want some hope in your life then take your focus off of yourself Fix your eyes on Jesus and never, ever look back. Never look back. Guys, here, here, here's the thing. I'm going to close with this. I, I don't mean to diminish your hopelessness if you're in a hopeless situation right now. Because can I, can I be honest with you? I've been in hopeless situations before. I felt that pain of... of I, I had a conversation with somebody recently that said... I, I was telling them... I don't know that I don't think I've ever been suicidal, but I've definitely been through periods of my life when death was welcome. You guys know that feeling? And it's like, it would just be easier if I checked out right now, right? I've definitely felt that hopelessness in my life. And I know when you're there, it is, it is next to impossible to force your focus off of yourself onto Christ or onto others or whatever else. But this is the thing about faith. The Bible actually teaches us that the faith, you know, because we tend to think about faith in this, if I could just muster up enough faith, if I could just, if my faith was just stronger, then I could, then I could do this. And yet this is what the Bible teaches about faith, that that faith that you're trying to muster up, it doesn't come from you anyway. It just comes from God. The God, you know, when God says, have faith in me, he gives you the faith to have in him. It all comes from God. It literally is all about God. 
redirect your prayer away from yourself and redirect your prayer to a God who, and just say, God, I, I'm weak right now. I'm struggling right now. I'm feeling hopeless right now. Give me the faith to move on another day. Give me a faith to shift my focus from myself and shift it back towards you. God gave all for, for, all for us. Jesus gave everything for us. So I'm going to make it all about him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I love you, and I thank you so much for your word today. Um, your word is good to us. And I, I want to just ask you for that extra dose of, of hope, that extra dose of faith uh, that we need to take our focus off of ourselves and fix our eyes on you. God, if there's anybody in the room right now that has, for whatever reason, whatever situation of their life, whether it's relationships or finances or sin or, or any number of other things, God, that, that they have, are feeling hopeless about their life right now, would you just give them the faith to see you? Give them the faith to make you the center of their universe rather than just simply focusing on themselves and their problems and that sort of thing. So God, right now, I invite everybody in this room to, to, to give you glory right now. God, God, whether things are going great or whether we're struggling, to you be the glory right now. We glorify you. We thank you for being our God. We desperately want to be your people. Give us the faith to do that. I pray all this in Jesus' name.